People always ask how I balance my family life with 400 shows a year. I'm just doing what I love with the people I love. It's my magic life. I like Wes Isley. I like everything about him. All right, well, I've been looking forward to this one. I, I didn't know if it was going to happen or not because uh, we were playing phone tag and uh, everything was happening. But this week we have a comedy magician on here. His name is Craig Diamond. He's from Florida and uh, full-time pro, super funny dude. Um, every time I see him at a magic convention, he's got a crowd of people around him and they're all laughing their butts off. And um, you always have a fun time around him or near him or even on the phone with him. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's Craig Diamond. Hey, Wes. Hello, Wes. Hello, Natalie. And hello, everybody out there in podcast world. Great to be with you today, Wes. Dude, thank you for doing this with me. This is, uh, I know this is going to be awesome because we did a little pre-interview thing and I said, all right, just a couple minutes. And I think we were on the phone for an hour and 20 minutes. And <laughs> I had to interrupt you to get my points across because you were just, whoo, gone. Shot out of a rocket. I love it. With, being, with me being bound up with this COVID thing and, and, and any, of, any of us, you talk to any career ship at, okay, and we'll all tell you that, hey, we love what we do and all that and, and, and the, the perks and all that. It's all great, the travel, the performing, but probably the biggest treat is sitting at breakfast or lunch with the other act and just yakking, you know, just talking sharing the war stories and just doing what you and I have been doing just as we were getting ready to do this, you know, and what we'll do for the, you know, the, the, through the course of this program. But any of us that have that, that's what we all miss. That's what we love. So I'm like a bull coming out of the gate for this. I can't wait. Right, this is awesome. <laughs> I was talking to a friend of mine, uh, Rob Allen, on a podcast a couple weeks ago, and I said, yeah. and it's also different if you're talking to a full-timer or a hobbyist. It's a whole yeah. different conversation, and I can't really explain it. And the hobbyist might take offense to that, but it's just you've been in a war together. You've had thousands of people in your audiences. You know, you're not just performing for your your husband, your wife, or your your friends next door. You yeah. know, we've yeah. been through yeah. the the foxholes together, and it's just I don't know. It, it brings out different conversations. So it, it does, and you know, and, and I always you know to the semi pro or the highly skilled amateur and, and everything. Uh, uh, for all that, you're right. There's just there's just something with the working for and 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 with and that I and I don't mean that to come across as an arrogant thing or nothing or whatever. But there's just something that comes with it because of the venues that you're involved with or the marketing that you're involved with or or, or you know what I mean. All, all all of that. And once it becomes a real job, job, it's just different. I look at magic differently now. Uh, over the course of my life and career, a hundred percent job compared to what it was in my, in the early days of magic with me. You know, I, I, my mentality is entirely different because it's a it's not a hobby; it's a job, and it, that that changes too. Right? Know? Yeah, yeah. But don't you think? Go ahead. I said, don't you think? Absolutely. That's what I I don't want because I've said it twice on my podcast now that it's just different with a full time pro than a hobbyist. I don't want any hobbyists thinking we're saying anything negative. I can absolutely not. I have ho I have hobbyists come over to my house and I can play magic and show them card tricks and 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 session with them for days. But it's a yeah. different conversation with a pro. That's all. T completely. Yeah. Completely. Hey, I have a ho I have you know I'll sit at a magic event. I have a I have a guy that's an amateur and he'll 
he'll blow me away on the card stuff. That he do, you know what I mean? You know, it's like, okay, this is this is this is this is great or whatever. But you know, there's you know, there, there's no sixty minute show. There's no there's no there's no concept of entertaining. And I don't again, I don't mean that in a negative way. But they don't have to worry about that. That's not the thing. Right, know? right. And, and and it was like that for me at one time too. So yes. So. You've made your bones in the cruise ship industry. 90, 99% of your shows is cruise ship? What would you think? Well, I would say, well, we're in the high 90s over the, over the course of the, you know, I, I came out of the, uh, uh, I was, I saw that, uh, let's see, about age five, I saw the Houdini movie with Tony Curtis and Janet Lee. You know, we, t- we talked earlier in our previous thing about Houdini and the promo machine that he had. So there you are. You're talking about a movie that was made just a little over 25 years after his death. Hollywood takes on a real Hollywood version of it, but it didn't matter. I, I was five or six when I saw that movie, and that's what lit my fire. All right. Wow. So it, was, it was Magic Kid at Christmas. And then I really jumped into it. I mean, I really got heavily, heavily involved. It wasn't just Magic Kitty stuff, you know. It was I for something I don't know why. I just boom. But, you know, I, and I grew up on a chicken farm, so it wasn't like anybody in my family was in show business. I wasn't surrounded by that in in in, in any way. So by the time I was in my teens, I had a full structured show. And I was competing, uh, I was every year competing in the SAM or IBM conventions from 73 on, I think. Um, so you know, do, do, getting to know the magicians and the guys that were in that and, and, and the national conventions and that. And of course, MAS is, I think, 14, I was involved at a pretty high level with MAS. And uh, uh, so, I, and then uh, once I got my driver's license, I was catching the end of the Poconos and the Catskills and the Playboy Clubs. So all that was going on, and what we called the boiler room shows, the, the promo boiler room tours that were happening in those days, the, the phone tours, uh, getting all that, and that was all starting to change. And all of a sudden, I got my first ship gig, and I, I did Atlantic. I, I, I started to do a couple of Atlantic City gigs. I did some Vegas stuff at that point with some with some name as an opening act for some names. So I, I was getting all that experience, and then I got my first ship offer contract, and it was a nine month run. Wow! Your and first yeah, time out. First time out. Nine wow! Run. Yeah, I, I walk into the gen- the guy that became my manager. I had. So there was a um, there was a, a, a magic dinner theater operation in the suburbs of D.C. It was in Rockville, Maryland, and then they opened up in Fairfax, Virginia. It was called the Great Foodini, and it was a magic dinner theater concept. Okay. What year um, are we talking? Uh, Nineteen eighty-three. Wow. Okay, 1980, and they wanted to go, their idea was they were going to franchise probably, and it was going to be really big. Uh, James Randy, the amazing Randy, was their main guy, and uh, involved with marketing. He was uh, Tico Bonomo, the guy behind Bonomo Turkish Taffy family heir, was the guy involved. He was the money and the, the, the guy behind all, uh, uh, Fudini. And uh, Elaine New was a teenage magician working close up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then. So at, at, at any rate, I got a call uh, last minute to come in to to do the opening preview show with uh, Randy, okay? And uh, next thing happens, they kind of um, – um, 
I kind of offered a, I came in and offered a, hot, a flash act, you know, birds, a little quick audience, fun comedy, and then a, a nice pop illusion. I think I did the uh, Mike's, uh, I don't know, Mike's suspension. And then Randy came on, and it was great. He's, he, it was the amazing Randy. It was great, and he did, a, it was a mentalism act, and it was, pacing just didn't work in his favor. In, in that in that show, so uh, the, the the investors that saw all that show ended up actually wanting to go with m- what I was doing more so than, than than what Randy was doing. So they put Randy in a more of a kind of like a uh, main feature promotional thing because you know he had he he was a big and of course is and was the the name name you know. So. Uh, but I found myself, this just landed kind of on my lap, and suddenly I became the opening for Fudini and the two operations and, and, and all of that. And um, right as that was uh, uh, in the midst of all that, I get a call from a New York manager, uh, a very well-known showbiz manager. He had been president of the American Guild of Variety Artists for 20 years, uh, one of the biggest movers and shakers in the New York entertainment scene. And if you were in that business and in that scene, you knew who this guy was, all right? And I get a call. I'm, I'm home on the farm, and I get a call from this guy and wants to know, you know, okay, he's, he's heard good things about me. Uh, can I come into the city uh, to have a meeting? And you know, so I did the usual, let me see, Jackie. Let me have a look at the book. Fake <laughs> <laughs> it till you make it. I guarantee my wife doesn't know. And 
I'm drooling because I'm hearing what money is being offered, and I can't believe this is your what? You know, I'm hearing this, and I can't believe it. I'm hearing Victor Moan go, well, whatever. And I hear this my, the guy that's going to be my manager lean into the speakerphone and tell Victor Moan to go take a physic. And that he's going to call Tony Martin. Now, Tony Martin's another of that ear. Tony Martin was the singer in The Godfather uh, that they, you know, the, the horse's head got put in the guy's uh, bed to make sure that he got the job. Okay, that the actor that played that singing role was Tony Martin, another Sinatra-era type type of singer. So anyway, I hear this go on. And he says, so he says, I'm, uh, 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 Vic, go take a physic. I'm calling Tony Martin. Click phones off, and he reaches over and says, Craig, nice to meet you. you know, so I'm like, I'm like, oh, 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 yeah. You'll take whatever he gives you. <laughs> oh, my God, okay? So uh, next thing I know, I'm getting offered a date for the QE, okay? And and I can't do it because it's going to happen so quick. I can't get the per. I'm a bird at that point. I'm, I have birds in the show, and then the birds were a big part of my show then. Um, I can't get the permits in time. Uh, to travel with the birds. I, that was my introduction to what what it's going to take to travel internationally with birds. Right? I, ne- I never had to think or deal with that before, you know? So it didn't, that didn't happen. And he says, don't worry, kid, I'll have something else for you. And heck, a week later, calls me up and he says, uh, uh, can I block you out for the next nine months? <laughs> wow. Said, you know, I go, where am I going? He says, well, we're flying you down to Miami next Saturday. If you can do it, he says, you got a week to get the bird permits. Can you do that? And, uh, I said, I'll get working on it. And, uh, and, and I had it done. Next thing you know, a week later, I'm, I'm my sister and myself are flying to Miami and getting on my first cruise ship ever for a nine month contract. And, you know, I expected coming off that, that I'd get back into doing, you know, I'd go back to Atlantic city or, or Vegas with some shows or, uh, uh, different review work that had been in the boiler room show i thought i'd just pick up that and came off that literally already had it before that run was over i knew where else i was going because of uh, jackie i you know i'd signed over with management with him i didn't worry about anything from that point on he had the dates and it went from one ship to another an occasional opening you know with a name uh but it got more and more just ship 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 which what he was plugged into and uh at that time in the 80s, there was a company that basically had a monopoly within the industry, the entire industry. And uh, Jackie was uh, – Jackie Bright was the manager, by the way. I, you keep hearing me say Jackie. And it was Jackie Bright Productions. And Wes, if you – and Natalie, if you watch the TV show Friends and, and your listening audience, if you watch the, old, our, the show that, uh, Friends that everybody loved at the end, you'll see at credits the production company is Bright Kaufman Crane. Uh, at the end of that. Wow, yeah. Uh, Natalie's shaking her head. She loves Friends. She knows. All right, well, at the end, you'll see Bright Kaufman Crane comes up. That Bright is Kevin S. Bright, and that is Jackie Bright's son. So his father was my manager for years. That's awesome. And Jackie, in the late 70s to all through the 80s, was probably more plugged into the cruise industry than almost anybody in show business. So... If, if you got into his stable, basically, you you were set if you wanted it. Some people didn't want that. You know, some people got out in the ships and either the, you know, you're only doing one, one you're only performing one. If it's a one-week cruise, you're only doing your main night one night. That's it. 
and then maybe a small spot on a variety show. Maybe, all right? Maybe it's just one night. You're not working every night, and some people can't handle that downtime. So when you got this deal, how old were you? Uh, 23. Wow. Well, that's fantastic, man. Yeah, 20, and then... What would I, would you, if you would have asked me then, okay, Craig, 32 years from now, this is what you're going to be doing for 42 weeks a year, 36 weeks a year, 50 weeks a year, whatever, for the, for the next 32 years, can you believe it? Heck no. But yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Natalie's, Natalie's shrugging her shoulders over here. I mean, one night a week and you get your paycheck and you're good to go, downtime, that's... I don't see a problem with that. Not at all. <laughs> see, I didn't either, Natalie. You know, but there are... I'll, I'll tell you who tends to have... If, you, if, you're com- if you're a comedian coming out of the comedy club circuit and you're used to working your material every night, okay, in a way you almost need that, okay? And, and, and some magicians feel they've got to be working every night. If you come... Uh, the magicians that would have issues or maybe not get into it so much were if you get guys that came at that point, they were pretty heavily into the review work, you know, where they're used to working one show a night, sometimes two shows a night in a review, you know, and you're, and you're only dark one night a week. So you're really pumping out that show, the shows. And if you get into that as, 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 as on your energy level and that you need that or whatever, then those are the guys that, you know, you get out on a ship and it's like, oh my God, I can't, can't wait till the night I'm working and you can't, all of a sudden you're done, you got another week till it's that. And you can only sit at the beach for so long and I don't give, I don't, you know, I don't care what's on the menu and well, whatever. And I'm, I'm not real fond of being around people all day long and blah, blah, blah. Then, then that's not your seat, you know? Well, 400 shows a year is what we were averaging pre-pandemic. Then you get three months off and somebody books a gig. I mean, I'm watching video footage and actually taking the show out and redoing everything. Just make sure I remember the lines because everything yeah. becomes everything becomes um, uh, just muscle memory. And when you don't flex that muscle for three months, does that muscle even work anymore? Has it? How how bad has it atrophied? I was freaking out and show started. People laughed. It just it was like nothing ever happened. Which I was going to ask. Which surprised me. You answered that. It surprised me because, so. yeah, lines coming back to me, and it, you know, yeah. if you could start a sentence in your in your script, the rest of it just flows. It's just. Well, I thought I worried about that because I took uh, um, my, my my mother passed away unexpectedly in in, in twenty eleven, and we didn't want to. And a year later, when it was time that my dad needed uh, help, um, here's the irony: I literally, I literally went out on on, on a, a new company deal, a new an offer for a new contract. Get home. And and it was it was a trial thing, and, and my agent said, oh, it'll, it, it's probably something that'll take a little while till they want to put you in the roster." And literally, I get home that night, and the next morning, the phone's ringing, and the offers are there. They want me to start immediately at the end of that week, and basically, you know, write my own ticket. And at the, and that morning, my wife says to me, "Hey, while you were gone, this and such took took place with your dad. We got to make this decision, and blah 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 blah." So that was the moment I, I chose more or less to walk away from from the career full time. Uh, for for about three and a half years, became a twenty four seven caregiver. My wife and I uh, uh, was my dad. I did a couple dates for the first two years. I, I did about three. Uh, I think I did two cruise, two one week cruise dates that I was able to get out for. Maybe like a one nighter that I flew in and out somewhere for. But otherwise, that was it. And then the last year of that, absolutely no performing at all. And and then 
because of going through that, it took me a while to kind of think funny again and get my get my groove back and everything. So it took about six months until I started taking dates and going back out, you know, and, and going back out again. And I was worried. I thought the same thing. I'd taken so much time off. I thought, what, you know, how is this going to affect me? Is this going to be like? But, buddy, it wasn't. It was just like what you you experienced. Did you have video footage and audio footage you could go back and refer to, though? Oh, I had tons of it. Yeah, I mean, that's the the main thing. Just the little lines. I didn't even do that, though. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't even even do that. It just felt, it just, you know, I'm weird, Wes. I'm one of those guys, turn the light. I mean, I'm one of those guys, you can practice all you want, and I do. But at the same time, I'm one of those ones, I'm a lot better just turn the lights and camera on and let me go. I'm, 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 I'm kind of, uh, you know, so, so the idea of, of no matter what I would have worked on and thought of ahead of time, no matter what, the way my brain kicks in when I'm actually, when those lights are on and I'm out, it's just, it's, uh, it's hard to explain. Well, uh, I mean, yeah. like when I was on Penn and Teller, uh, you know, he challenged me. That wasn't set up or anything. And that, yeah. right, well, stand up and play the game. That's spontaneity. That's spontaneous, right? Yeah. How, how'd your heart feel? <laughs> I was I was totally fine because I know how the oh, trick good. works. I'm good to go. I, I, let's play. I'm ready to rock and roll. But here's the other thing. I, I'm worried about taglines. As a stand-up comedian, you know, that little tagline makes a difference. And it's not rehearsing the tricks. But when I pick up the wand, I say this. That's why I had to pull out the props. Yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? Of course it does. Yeah, so that's, that's really what I was – it wasn't about the, the tricks. I've done the tricks a million times. No, but it was just line, the and, and the tagline. Yeah, or you'll yeah. forget a line. You, you, you know, a line just out of the blue gets dropped once or twice. And that and, kills me. And suddenly it's gone. And then you'll see a video or, or an audio or something, you know, six months, a year, two years later, and go, oh, my God, that was a great line. What happened to that? I'm not doing that now. And then, of course, it's back in again. Right. You know? Yep. So, and if I drive home and it, it, I get a flashback that I forgot to say that line, the drive home sucks. Because I'm just beating myself up the whole ride home. And the audience doesn't know. That's what I have Natalie for. She's like, Wes, the audience, they loved this show. It was fine. Yeah, but I forgot that line. Imagine how much better it would have been with that one line. Lines are for that. I mentioned in in our pre-show interview. Now, my wife's been retired from the show since uh, about 2005 or or so, somewhere about that now, actually. But uh, uh, she would always, after just about every show, she would have a couple notes on a notepad, uh, always on a on a follow up to a line that I did, or an addition to, or uh, hey, when you did this, this would have been funny if you said this or whatever, and the notes and and yeah, and 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 the vast majority of those were gold. So uh. that's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. So what about what about in the cruise ships? I mean, thirty years in the cruise ships. How many years did you say it was? 32 years in a cruise ship. What about bad weather stories? You got any bad weather stories? Oh, my God. Well, you know, especially good old QE2 days. Now, now for those that don't know, the, the, the Queen Elizabeth II was an, a true ocean liner, okay? And there's a little bit of difference between a cruise ship and an ocean liner and how they're constructed, all right? Uh, a, a, an ocean liner is built for the heavy seas, world cruising. Uh, the, their hulls are reinforced. The, they're, they've got a deeper draft. They're, 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 and there are not many ocean liners around today they're 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 not built cruise ships are a more shallow dread there's just a there's a lot of slight difference uh in them and, and the queen elizabeth ii was one of the last of the great ocean liners and in the summertime 
uh, her normal run would be regular six-day runs back and forth from New York to Southampton, England, uh, six-day crossings. And uh, because you're not going anywhere, the ships the, is your that's your you know that's your destination basically. So generally, each crossing was a theme. All right, so you'd have Hollywood, Broadway, big band, uh, uh, British comedy. Uh, uh, I mean, it was just what they, the ballroom, you know, ballroom, whatever. There was one theme after another for, for all these crossings, which really made it interesting when you were on because, you know, I'd be on with, uh, you know, I'd be having uh, rubbing elbows with John Cleese and, you know, have cocktail parties with David Bowie and, and um, having lunch with Frank McCourt, the author of Angela's Ashes, and having dinner with the actor Ben Kingsley and, uh, you know, wow. the, uh, you know, cocktails with he- Helen Gurley Brown, the Cosmopolitan uh, editor. And, and uh, I mean, uh, uh, you, I could go on and on and on about that as far as, because that's what that was like, you know, uh, uh, back then. But because of being the QE and on those summer routes and because of how she was, and she was so famous and now pr- summertime is hurricane season, you know, and uh, there, there are times, you know, it's like, all right, they can either they can't outrun it, or because it's that particular ship, we're just going to plow right through it. And uh-huh. uh, the worst we were ever on that was we were in fifty foot seas. Oh, that dear. was the worst we were in. I can't imagine. I cannot imagine fifty foot. Yeah, fifty foot. Now that was so bad that when the bow would come up and go back in, the back, the stern with the propellers would come out of the water. Oh my god! So it actually come out of water and then come back and dig in, and uh, that, that that yeah that was that was real. Now you couldn't do anything. You know, nobody was eating. No one was going anywhere. No one was. I mean, uh, the, the, you know, the, no one. You can't sit on a chair. Everybody's just uh, walking around with life jackets on. I imagine. Actually, you don't walk around like that. And when, when you're in that, no, no one's out walking. You can't walk. I'm saying so, uh, you'd have you'd be strapped up in a life jacket in your room. You know, then you I mean, your, you got your panicky people that are literally sitting in their rooms in their life jackets. I guarantee it. I guarantee yeah, it. Yeah. Now I wasn't. I wasn't sitting in my room afraid because I knew it was a good old QE two and everything. But now I had a, a, a dear, dear friend of mine, a, a, a chief engineer uh, from Cunard Line, and he's now a staff lead, I think, for Windstar. Uh, he was on the QE when they were hit with a ninety foot wave. 90, foot, 90 or 95 foot wave my gosh that, that hit hit them from the front a rogue wave came out of not you know nowhere 90 foot and hit hit the front and opened the bow up like an envelope the, oh, you know, no. split the steel and everything I mean, oh just, my gosh yeah yeah and in may of 85 i was doing a run i was doing it's kind of like the new york it's kind of the uh, bermuda triangle run i was doing new york down to bermuda down to nassau back to new york run okay on and that was on home lines uh went on the oceanic when it was with home lines and we left bermuda a little early to head to nassau because there was a hurricane in the you know coming and we wanted to get out uh, get away with it and it was about 11 o'clock at night and i was having a drink at the bar at the disco talking to a the, the uh a casino manager that was a friend of mine and we were in moderate seas nothing to nothing to you know nothing to write home about and as we were talking the ship goes into a list because starts leaning and we went over till we're both hanging on to the bar stools all right and i mean we we went over now we went over i think i think it was like 37 degrees and that might not sound like a lot but on a ship that's you know 10 stories high or whatever that's a lot oh and i i forget that's right at the border line where they said whether they come back up or not you you hit a certain 
oh. know, the, the point or whatever. And we and we upride and everything okay, but we got hit by a road wave that hit us broadside that came out of nowhere, you know, and 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 did that. So uh, yeah, so those are my now. I have friends that were on a ship that uh, the, the old Princeton Dam caught in fire in the Gulf of Alaska in, I think, 81, I think, 81 or 82, summer of 81 or 82, and went down, you know, it was, uh, actually went down, and uh, I have a, a singer oh, friend of mine that was actually performing on, on, on that ship and was, you know, in one of the lifeboats. And I'm just sitting here, I'm not saying anything, I'm just sitting here shaking my head with my mouth wide open. I can't, <laughs> I can't imagine. Oh my gosh.
very, very unknown, uh, not normally known security by, by the usual lay, lay person. You didn't know how, how much security uh, that that particular ship happened to have. So help me. Uh, what's, the, what's the IRA thing? What does that stand uh, for? Irish Republican Army. Okay, okay. Yeah. yeah, back in the days when before before the peace thing got settled with the Irish Republican Army and, 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 and England, uh, you know, there, there, there was quite a campaign to, you know, uh, that's when there were a lot of bombings that would go off in oh. England and, you know, the Northern Ireland was a Northern Ireland, you know, thing. And thank God that's all over and done. I think that got settled in the late 90s or whatever. But there were 20 years or more that that was, you know, a, 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 at any rate, the QE was a, was a target. Uh, they they had uh, they would have SAS SAS is the equivalent of like our Navy SEALs uh, SAS is kind of Britain's equivalent of of the SEALs mm-hmm. uh, but they would have uh, SAS guys you know at different ports under the ship making sure that you know the mines weren't being put on the ship in port and you know that kind of stuff yeah, and oh, people geez. never knew that you know you didn't know that kind of stuff went on you know so. Wow. My point was, I was on the QE two, and if I had to, if you had to be on a ship on something like nine eleven, uh, all considering, we, we felt no matter where we were going or whatever, we, we, we kind of felt okay. I guess that's what was my point. So. Well, I was just asking disaster stories, bad weather, thinking, all right, he'll tell me a story or two about bad weather. You, I, I need a drink. It's three in the afternoon. You stress me out. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! We gotta change the subject. I'm, my hands are sweating. started this thing by saying how great you are, how awesome you are, comedy, comedy magician, funny dude, and for 20 minutes you've told me depressing stories, 90-foot <laughs> waves, and uh, we got to turn this thing around. Listen, listen. So you told me in the pre-thing, pre-show thing interview that I did with you, you said, just ask me about the nude cruise. I'm hoping this is funny. I'm hoping this is funny. We need to change things around. My palms are sweaty here. This, this is because Wes would have been one of those people... 
I get a call from my agent, and and she says, and I, I have a great agent. I've been with her for for my gosh, it's like 1992 now, and uh, uh, she's the wife of a, a dear entertainer friend of mine. My wife and I help play matchmaker and get them together and everything. So when she started an agency, uh, uh, I, I, I I went over to her and 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 it was just great. So she calls me and she says. And this is why I'm taking care of dad, and she and I'm not really taking that much work. And and she says, "Hey, I have a, there's a request for you." And and my bread and butter account has, for 32 years has been Holland America Line. And uh, uh, they said, "Hey, a request. Uh, you've been, uh, the company wants you for a charter a charter cruise." And that's always kind of a big deal because a charter means a company has basically rented that ship for that week. All right, it's it's that company's ship for the week. They're doing, you know, so it's either a, you know, it's a, it's a, a sales incentive that the company's won or whatever, okay? But they're usually pretty big deals. They might be, you know, in the past, Bill Gates charters a ship or, or, or the, 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 you know, the, the king, uh, the, the, you know, the um, Sultan of Brunei will charter the ship for, you know, for a way, you know, so you never know what, what right. the charter's going to be. So, oh, and I'm the requested entertainer? You bet. I am so proud and honored. Yes, I will be available for this charter cruise. And uh, then a uh, phone call immediately after, and she said, hey, I forgot to tell you, uh, it's it's the nude cruise. And uh, uh, no, <laughs> no issues with that. And she says her husband's done it, not a big deal. And, and I said, oh, that's the charter. And, and I said, yeah, okay, all right, you know, and I've heard about, I've heard, you know, you, you don't work in the industry without hearing about the infamous new cruises and what they are. It's, it's a charter company, they're, uh, and, you know, they're nudists, and they charter either resorts or cruise ships for their week or whatever, and they take it over, and it is what it is, all right? It's, you know, it's, it, <laughs> it's bare bones cruising, you know, so, so. So I said, yeah, now, now I don't have to be undressed, all right? You're performing, you know, when you're doing your show, you're normal, all right? But be aware that your audience and on that, whatever you know about working on a ship or living on a ship or cruising on a ship, just think about what that normally is like, but just realize that none of these people are going to have clothes on. I'm thinking turn the lights up in my eyes extra hard because I do not want to be distracted. That's what I'm thinking. Well, well, listen, this gave me about... Uh, I, I, this gave me about a 15-minute stand-up bit that I do in my show that turned into gold, and it's basically just relating. I mean, it, it, it's 90% of what I do in the bit is that is actually just true telling of, of, of actually, you know, what happened, what went on, and, and, and the stories that went on. Because, and I, uh, this is true, I say, I swear, I said, I thought, you know, when you do the crew, I had an image that it was going to be, first of all, I'll have to back up, because Holland America has a traditional following of an older clientele. All right. In, in, in the cruise industry, there are certain companies that cater to a younger, more wild crowd and, and certain companies that cater to a more elderly or sophisticated or laid back type of, of crowd. Okay? okay. Turn the lights up 10% brighter now, please. Yeah. <laughs> Even brighter. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Holland America has the reputation for catering and, and they've changed, tried to change over the years the marketing, but they're still, they still cater to an older audience that tend to, they have that reputation. All right. But okay. So now I'm on a seven day charter, new cruise. That's not going to have any effect. I'm thinking this is going to be equal parts. GQ magazine and Victoria's Secret catalog, and and sure enough, I show up and it's Holland America and it's 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 instead it's equal parts 
National Geographic and Senior Living. I mean, (laughs) it's, you know, and the only difference is they're naked. And the only difference is not only they're naked, but they're coming down the hallway on a scooter at you. Oh, geez. You know, so, uh, uh, yeah, so that was an interesting, you know, know, they they, they always say, you, you know, you've heard this, that if you're odd, you know, if you're nervous, visualize your audience naked. That's supposed to be a psychological thing. I don't understand that at all. But that's always been a thing that that's been a thing in showbiz. Right. And, and I learned that does not work when your audience <laughs> is already naked. Okay. <laughs> and now it really doesn't work on you because you have flashbacks when you picture your oh audience. Oh my god! I have post-traumatic stress disorder. I'll tell you, Mike. No show has ever been the same. Put it this way, I'm doing, now, now you'll know, now our audience won't know, but you'll know when I say I'm doing Kyber Cobra, okay? So, uh, you know, it, it's an audience participation effect where I'm getting a member of the audience out of the, you know, up on stage to help me with something. And that's the way any of the audience participation is. Anybody I'm getting up on stage is naked, okay? And so the guy comes up to help me with this trick, and he's naked, except he's got a freaking bow tie on around his neck and now I'm not making I swear to God I'm not making this up and a bow tie around his you know what okay wow and and that bow tie in the southern hemisphere has a battery pack on so it's blinking okay (laughs) as if people weren't looking in his direction enough that's right this has to blink okay so and not only by the way multicolor blinking too okay wow so so he, he goes up on stage, and I just, I let it, I, I, you know, I, I, people are laughing as he's coming up across the stage, and I just let that settle in for a few seconds. And then I, I look at the bow tie, and I just said, oh, I didn't realize it was a formal night. Okay, that was my, that was my opening line to him, you know. <laughs> so, you know, that, and that, that, that broke the ice with them and, and, and whatever, but you talk about distracting. Wow. I'm trying to get it, you know, get it. And, and now, it's not that I didn't know this was going to be this way. Now, now, do you know, do you know the, uh, what they call the human xylophone routine? Are you familiar yes. with that? Yes. All right, so for the audience out there. Did you do, <laughs> did you do that with the nude cruise? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I thought it would be great. Oh, yeah. gosh. So the human xylophone, everybody has a musical instrument in front of them. The xylophone, each each person has a chord, I guess you'd say. Yeah, it's basically it's a wind chime hung on the end of a chord, and each wind chime is different length. So you got you got everybody standing there hanging a with a wind chime, metal wind chime hanging from angled by a leather cord, and a wood spoon mallet to hit the thing on my direction, and we play a, a tune. All right, so this thing is dangling. You know, one guy go to hand I hand go to handle the mallet, and I go, actually, you don't even need that. <laughs> you know, it, was, it was, you know, lines like that, but, yo, yeah, 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 wow. yeah, yeah, I, I, uh, uh, but, my, yeah, so that was, uh, it, it, in, in the funny things of, of what happened, so, and, and now, my first, my first introduction to you was meeting you at MAES, and everybody was saying how great you were, but I didn't know you from the cruise ship market, I never saw you on a cruise, and because you're out to sea, I mean, I, I I wasn't friends with you on Facebook. I didn't know if you had a Facebook account back then, but I knew nothing about you at all. But we go back to the hospitality suite, 
and you have a crowd of people around you. I don't know uh, what background, nationality background you are. I'm Italian, so I talk with my hands. You were flailing like you were talking with an orchestra. Your hands were moving back and forth, and everybody was laughing, and you had a complete circle around you. And I couldn't get into the circle because the crowd was so thick around you. And I just heard something about a bear, and everybody was laughing so hard. You have to tell my wife this story. Uh, Okay. So... over the years but when you get into the summer season and cruising and you do the Alaska runs the, the, the your, your demographic and your audience and crowd for Alaska always was a little different a little more outdoorsy a little more adventurous because of what you know you know what it is so uh, it's my show night and uh, uh, I'm doing my bill and lemon and I uh, even though by the way ships are cashless you don't carry money you just sign everything i've never given up the bill and lemon i still hit him with a hundred dollar bill request and 95 percent of the time i still get a hundred dollar bill it's amazing but i i, I do so this guy but but you know I, I it's not like 10 people are offering me you know so when one person offers it i got to go with it okay yeah so i'm asking for the hundred dollar bill and this guy and he's pretty close to the front row and, and you can't see the lights are on you 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 know the type of light you can't see your audience at all until this guy comes up on stage, and as he's coming up the steps on the stage, and I can actually see him, this he's in a, a red flannel shirt and jeans and has a baseball cap on, and he looks like he's been in a really bad bar fight. I mean, he, he looks like he was on the bad end of a pool cue or something. I mean, he looks a little rough. And rough enough that I even made some kind of probably slightly inappropriate ad lib even. Like, a, well, I, I, I'm not quite sure because it was like, whoa, whoa, whatever. So anyways, get him up on stage. Now, in my Bill and Lemon routine, for a certain reason, years ago, I developed a part where the person, I, I put a mask on the guy, a very funny facial mask on, on, on the person and it, it was done for a technical issue of something I needed to do and over the years that I didn't need that anymore but the laugh was so good with the mask and it was worked within the material and the routine the mask stayed in so I'm at the point where I'm ready to uh, put the mask on the guy and I, I say in the routine we have it then the mask looks like a looks like a yellow helmet like a football helmet you don't get to see the whole mask at first so I say we have a there, there's a rule on stage if there's fire on stage and you're non-union, kind of like that lifeboat drill, uh, you have to wear a safety helmet. I have one here for you. If, if you be so kind, remove your cap and I'll put this on for you. Well, this guy reaches up to take his cap off. And as he goes to take his cap off, I see something hit the stage. Something hits, falls down next, from, uh, next to him, falls down. Initially, I want to say what I thought was about the size of a deck of cards or a credit card or about that that size. Something falls, lands and bounces on the stage on the guy's right side. And it takes about two seconds for me to realize it's his ear that he he had, that his right ear was a prosthetic ear. And when he went up to take his cap off, he bumped his ear. And his freaking ear has fallen off, okay? So... Now, you talk about things on stage that you go through or you try to prepare yourself in life, and I don't know about you, but there was never a chapter in Tarbell on what to do when when your volunteer's (laughs) ear falls off, all right? So, and it bounced, and now... And it bounced. (laughs) Oh, it bounced. (laughs) And 
and he's and he doesn't know his ears off. Okay, so now this <laughs> poor guy is standing on stage with like a hole on the side of his right head. All right, and then now everybody, if you divide the audience down the middle, at a certain point, everybody knows what's going on one side can see this, and on the other half, nobody, everybody's clueless. So trying not to mess with the flow, I get over, I walk behind him, I bend down, I pick the ear up. Now, there's no way you can bend down and pick the ear up without looking like you're bending down and picking the ear up, all right? So anyway, I bend down, pick the ear up, and I don't know, like, a, I, I guess I still think I'm being subtle, and I try to do what I call the maitre d' slip, you know, the little, like, if you have a beer, you're going to slip the maitre d', you know, get a little less. so I'm trying to be so, and yet I'm in front of, like, 1,200 people, okay? But anyway, I go to hand him the thing, and I go, here, here, here. And I've got a wireless lavalier on, and I put my hand over the mic, but I'm not muted, but I put the hand over it, so so you can't really hear me, but I am muffled, okay? But you still hear me go, and I swear to God, he says very loudly, he says, what? Well, that's when I lost it, all right? I literally about, I, my legs about went down, I mean, I just about, I, I couldn't, it, it was... And he didn't, he didn't mean it funny either. Well, he didn't say that to be funny. He just, what? And so the the side of the audience that could see all that was actually happening, they are just about peeing themselves now. They are screaming. The other half of the audience, does, you know, do, doesn't have a clue. So at any rate, I slip in the ear, and he realizes he, it's his ear. <laughs> and, he, and he puts it right back on. And he puts it up, hooks, hooks the thing back up on, and, and off we go. There we go. We're, we're off and, and we're running. And, you know, now my brain is thinking, how do you recover from that? Okay, for, first of all, how, how do you go on? How do you recover that? There's still half an audience that's in pandemonium and half an audience that is clueless. And I'm not going to explain to half the audience that's clueless that this guy's ear just fell off, you know. <laughs> so, you know, you just go on, you pick the pace. And that, that was the first bit in the show. So that was the way the show started that night. And at the end of the show, when it was all over and done with, I went out after the show to thank the guy. You know, I didn't want to feel embarrassed. And then find out that he's well uh, – forget what his last name. His first name was Malcolm. But he'd been on Oprah and a couple other shows. He and his girlfriend, who then became his wife, were out in British Columbia in the on the mountains of British Columbia in the early spring – and a grizzly came at him and all, came at her, and all he had was a, a Swiss Army knife. So he went after the grizzly, took the grizzly with a Swiss Army knife, and the grizzly just about took his head off. Oh my God! And uh, long story short, uh, survived and well known as a survivor. And not only did he survive the grizzly, grizzly attack, but he survived the Great Diamond Show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just thinking. You said that she's she's now his wife. She has to be, and she ought to serve him hand and foot. She took on a grizzly for her. I mean, come on. Yeah, that's, uh, you could, yeah, yeah. Golly. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I, I, didn't, I, didn't ask, I didn't ask him, did she, did she say yes when he proposed? Wow. <laughs> I didn't ask him that. So we have, about, we have about six minutes left, and I okay. want to get to your new uh, venture that you have going on. And I know we could go on. We've already done 50 minutes. We could go on for 10 days. Oh, my gosh, yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah, talk yeah. about your new venture uh, it's CraigDiamondEntertainment.com. Check him out there. He's on Facebook, yeah. Craig Diamond. But tell everybody what your new venture is. Yeah. Well, the homepage for our new venture is theworldofillusion.com. 
is the homepage for that, and that is that's a show that my buddy John Westford and I have been working on a big stage show together uh, for the past several years. We uh, we were plugged in to have our own theater in Arkansas. We were marketing with the bus tour industry, and just a whole bunch of things happened. Of course, all of a sudden this COVID thing took over, and uh, that that was the end of, of that. But we really connected to the theater market and, and and that industry, the bus tour industry in, in particular. Then this COVID thing happens, the cruise ship thing goes down, and I, holy crap. And in the meantime, um, I had mentioned earlier, you know, in May, I was on the cover of Vanish Magazine, and, and most of that magazine was about virtual magic and the birth of virtual magic. And I wasn't ready to jump on that bandwagon. I didn't see it be, being part of that. Uh, as the summer progressed, um, John and I are having phone conversations about, you know, moving forward with our projects and uh, uh, then then we suddenly realized that this whole virtual thing it must be the way to go so we decided in september uh to you know step off the cliff with that and uh put together a lot of high-tech equipment we've been in a major learning curve since september with uh, uh multiple high hd cameras broadcast switching equipment uh laying scores down uh, ed- editing editing equipment solving mean, it's just the learning curve has been incredible but we're we've jumped on the virtual show bandwagon that they're doing but our, our goal is to be able to be one of the guys and you know the uh, that are putting out a, a, a very high-end product um we're very excited about the uh, john uh, my buddy john has a just great sleight of hand pure, pure what i call raw bare bones sleight of hand skill i love his close-up work and and you've been around john and me west you know what we're like around people uh, you know yeah uh, that, that, that's hard to, to relate to until you see it and i don't mean it to sound any way other than it's just hard to relate to so we, we're now going to, with this virtual thing, I, I've got a whole wall set up with a projector, so my virtual audience is going to be, I'm going to have an entire wall looking at my audience like I would, you know, stage. I've got that set up now. So uh, that, that excites me. Um, I pulled out uh, material, really super cool stuff that I won't even travel with because, it, you know, it won't even leave my home, you know. So this has allowed me to be able to pull out some of the stuff that, A, I, I normally don't get to do, and it's some of my most fun, really, I just, some of my favorite stuff that normally I don't get to do. So that Or that only when someone thing. comes over to visit. It's special. Not even then. I'll tell you. Wow. What, not even, no, no, not even then. This is, uh, this is you know, what, mm-mm. So, so anyway, so John and I, we said, okay, let's get together. Let's, now, we came up with, a, with a, the name Virtually Impossible for the show. We found out we're, you know, we're not geniuses. We're not the only one that came up with that idea. All right, so the, the, apparently across the web, there's a bunch of magicians doing a show called Virtually Impossible. So we can't take credit for ingenuity for the name, but we're still using it. All right, so it, it's Virtually Impossible with Craig Diamond and John Westford. It's an hour-long virtual, live, interactive, close-up show. We bounce back and forth with each other. He will be live in Pennsylvania. I'm live in Florida. Um, we, we have rehearsed and rehearsed for months. We, we, brought, we switch back and forth with each other and then also activate our audience at different times to be live uh, and, act and uh, interactive. Um, so really high-impact magic, uh, great interaction. You know the... the, the uh, impromptu mag- uh, comedy type thing that, that both John and I jump on so that, that element is there um, the tech element is there we've, uh, we've laid we've had musical scoring done for the show so we're really really excited about it. Our, our first thing is it's December 17th that's Thursday December 17th it's 7 o'clock in the evening it's a one hour 7 o'clock 
you can access this. Anybody can go to my Facebook page. Just uh, go to Craig Diamond, public page, Craig Diamond, Craig Diamond Magician. And uh, you can go to, we're advertising basically through the Facebook link. Uh, and it will be a, it's a pay-per-view, one ticket per household. And uh, the link will be on there. So uh, it's, and this is all public. So, uh, and how much are tickets? $20 for a, a household ticket. Awesome. So, awesome. Yep. Perfect. What a deal. Perfect. What a deal, Wes. Well, 20 bucks for a household ticket. Wes, where did you get that? <laughs> Only at worldofillusion.com or Craig Diamond. Only at worldofillusion.com or, or go to, uh, uh, come, come to uh, Craig Diamond uh, uh, Facebook. Go to www.craigdiamondentertainment.com and and click down on that. Go to World of the World. We got to get the okay. Get theworldofillusion.com. That's our homepage, and that's the cool one because you get to see the the link of the big show as well as the link that then takes you to this virtual show. Awesome. Uh, and I'm going to have John on next week, and he's going to talk about it some more too. So. Oh, great. You're going to love it. We'll, pr- we'll promote the heck out of it. You're, you're promoted here. We love you. Right. We love you guys. Hey, thank you. Hey, stay on the line. I'm going to do some wrap-up real quick, but you are awesome. Sure. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank My you for pleasure, being here. Um, so that is Craig Diamond. Craig Diamond, uh, we will definitely have him back because I got a page of notes and we barely – yeah, I think only touched to the top. Like yeah, the top we touched two subjects. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, check out WesIsley.com. We have a virtual show as well coming up as a fundraiser. But check out Craig Diamond's first. His is first in line. Go buy tickets for his show. Um, mine's available on the event break page and uh, my event page on my website. But check out Craig's first. His comes up first. Um, tonight on Jewel TV, episode 13, Round Hill Farm, will air at 7 p.m. Eastern. It's on Roku, Apple TV, Amazon Fire, the Jewel TV app, and a ton of other places. It's in over 100 million households. Uh, just look for it. You'll find it. See you next week. Today's episode of the podcast is sponsored by Express Copy and Graphics. Mention promo code Wes Isley to get 10% off. Their website is expresscopy.com. Dot com. That's X-P-R-E-S-S dash C-O-P-Y dot com. They do it all. Copies, banners, signs, vehicle wraps, promo items, practically anything you need printed, they can do it for you. These guys are great. Check them out. Check us out online at WesIsley.com and Patreon.com forward slash Wes underscore Isley for behind the scene videos, blooper videos, never before seen footage, discounts on merchandise, magic trick tutorials, and more. That's Wes Isley spelled W-E-S-I-S-E-L-I.